Aung San Suu Kyi spent years under house arrest, living in her lakeside residence in Yangon, becoming an icon for democracy, not just here in Myanmar, but around the world. Now she spends much of her time here in Naypyidaw, in this gargantuan capital, symbolized by these parliamentary buildings behind me. This is an election year, potentially the freest election this country has seen in more than 50 years that could make her president. But will the generals who still wield influence thwart her ambition? There has obviously been some disappointment, I would say, perhaps because of too high expectations and about quite where Myanmar is and today. Are we still in a parody of democracy? Have we gone far beyond that? How would you assess the state? No, we haven't gone far beyond that. Uh, I think, as I said before, it is, it is dangerous, but particularly because it's not a real democracy. But there are many who would like to, to believe or who would like to pretend that it is a real democracy. And of course, that makes it much difficult to bring about change. We have this uh, very well-known saying in Burmese, which I keep repeating to people, it's very difficult to wake up those who are pretending to be asleep. Right. Are you disappointed with the, way, with the speed of the process? Do you think it has stalled? Some people say that things have stalled. Things have stalled, but I don't think disappointed is the word because uh, we were prepared for such developments. That's why I talked about a parity of democracy. Right. And just could you, could you tell why this democracy is a parody? I mean, I know some of them... Well, it starts with the constitution, of course. And people keep saying that all these changes that have come across, uh, you know, it's been such a surprise and so amazing. But it's not like as amazing as all that. I think we need to look back at the roadmap that they, they, they uh, published in 2003 the seven-step roadmap, and this is just the seventh step of that roadmap. So there's nothing surprising about that. They said that the seventh step was to um, establish or work towards disciplined democracy uh -huh. in accordance with the results of the sixth step, which was the elections they held in 2010. Right. Which, which aspects of the stalling particularly upset you? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that any step particularly upsets me, but I would like to put it this way, what makes it very obvious that there's stalling is the fact that there's a reluctance to amend the constitution. And what about the specific um, amendment uh, or article of the constitution that does prevent you from becoming president? I mean, do you oh, think that, that, that says will be... that, yeah, that's 59F you're talking yes. about, that anybody whose spouse or whose uh, children or whose uh, daughters or sons-in-law have taken up foreign nationality uh, are debarred from the presidency. Yes, but can that be overturned in time? Oh, anything can be amended in time. After all, it's just something that's written into the Constitution. Are you confident that it will be? Oh, I'm sure it'll change. You're, you're sure it will yes. change? but when I cannot say, but this kind of uh, clause cannot exist forever. I would like everything settled before the elections because that's best. That means that the elections will be calmer, more peaceful, and we, we can go forward with confidence that there will be no um, unhappy upsets along the way. But you know that constitutions can be changed in many different ways because they are not something that has been carved into the earth. How important is it for 
this country for you to become president, do you think? I mean, is, is there a lot riding on this? Are you the right person to, to lead this country? I don't think these questions can really be answered until years and years have passed. It's always history that decides. And everybody's history never decides sometimes. They go on, otherwise historians would be out of a job. <laughs> People go on discussing these matters way into the future. So uh -huh. I don't think I can say that uh, my becoming president or not becoming president uh, will make certain changes to the future of this country. Is there another, is there another possible way? I mean, is there a power sharing agreement? Is there a, a, a deal that could be done with the speaker? Could you become speaker? I mean, which is also a very powerful position. Is that something that we should rule out? I don't think uh, we should uh, talk about these things in advance, but on the other hand, I'm very much in favour of negotiations. I think one can sort out a lot of problems through negotiations. Basically, I think that the Constitution was written out of a sense of fear, hmm. and these are the fears that we need to address. If you did have a leadership position, let's say you were president, um, what kind of policies would change? I mean, first of all, in terms of, are you wedded to the idea of federalism as a, as a way of settling? Yes. We're, 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 I'm not saying that federalism will settle all our problems, but I don't think we can start settling them without federalism, because that's very important in order to reassure our, our different ethnic nationalities that they all have a place in this country, that they all have a stake in the future of this country. So, do you think there needs to be a kind of a settling of the past? How, because this is always a question when you have a transition. How much do you look back at the past and dig up maybe uncomfortable things, threaten people that have maybe done quite well out of the past, the vested, the vested interests, the, the crony capitalists? Or how much do you say, well, you know, as unpleasant as all that was, we must move on and we must leave some of that and just kind I of... I believe in moving on. I believe in moving on, which is, does not mean that moving on to more corruption. Uh, we, we have to move on because I don't think we can tie ourselves to the past forever. The past is there for us to learn from, not for us to be shackled by it. And I do want to give everybody a chance to redeem themselves, either economically or otherwise. Do you feel that you have spoken out um, enough for um, minorities, um, ethnic or religious, who are being persecuted? I don't exactly know what you mean by spoken out enough, but we've always held uh, to the norms of human rights as laid down by the UN, United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. And also, we have always tried to do everything possible to promote harmony between the two communities rather than, than to widen the gap between them. Do you feel that, that there are elements that are deliberately whipping this up? Um, uh, no, not just in the Rakhine, but uh, I think in some cases they have used religion to, for, for, for political purposes. Do you feel you're still getting the support from the West? I mean, uh, are the Americans, are the British being principled enough in supporting you know, your right to be elected president if that, of course, is the will of... Um, but but the... that's not I want to support it. I just want them to support genuine democratisation and not pretend that reforms that do not exist are in place. And do you think they are in danger of pretending or...? Some, some are pretending. I don't think the British are. But does that mean the Americans might be? I think the uh, Americans tend to take a more optimistic view of the situation.